Thanks for joining the podcast with Tamara Gondor. Conversations with everyday innovators that reject status quo, think differently, and make a positive difference in their world. Listen in so you can ignite innovation, influence others, and make an impact too. And now your host, CrossFit addict, knee-high sock lover, and according to her kids, average cook, Tamara Gondor. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show where we interview everyday innovators from all across the globe who are out there innovating, influencing, and making an impact. And I have no doubt that today's conversation is going to be about all three of those. So let me tell you a little bit about the everyday innovator that we have on today, his style of innovation. And as I'm telling you this, I want to remind you of something. Those out there listening that Everybody has a different way of innovating. So being innovative is universal. We all do it. The research shows it. The neuroscience shows it. Our data and our experience shows it. However, how we innovate is unique to each of us. And that's a really important point because the mistake I often see people make and that I used to make is I tried to innovate like somebody else. When I tried to be somebody else, it didn't work. So then I thought, well, I'm not the creative type. I'm not innovative. I don't have what it takes to do what I want to do in this life because I wasn't bestowed this magic gift. But it turns out that's not the case. It turns out we're all innovative. We just have to understand how we do it. So if you don't know already, go to our website, take the assessment, discover how you innovate. It'll be five minutes, unlock that incredible advantage in your brain. Now, Let's talk a little bit about Tony. So his everyday innovator style, his two power triggers, his wealth of innovation, how he's wired to think differently is fluid imaginative. Now, here's the thing I want you to know too. Fluid is about 3% of the global population. So they're not equal. There's nine styles. They're not equal. Fluid is one of the ones that doesn't come up as much. So fluid is all about navigating ambiguity and turning it into clarity. So a lot of us can deal with ambiguity. We've had to in the last couple of years, haven't we? We all have. But if you have fluid as your power trigger, you actually not only thrive in ambiguity, but you know how to take that ambiguity and turn it into something really powerful. The visual I always get in my head is like, you know, we're all in a canoe on a river and it's super, super foggy and we can't see, but the fluid's like, yes, I know that rock over there and that ripple in the water over there and I'm going to pull them together and I'm going to figure out how to navigate forward. That's what fluids do. Now, imaginative is all about playing in the gaps. It's all about creating from scratch what doesn't yet exist. So that combination of fluid and imaginative brings concise and novel innovation. So concise and novel to the table. So imagine for a second, someone like Tony, if he's on your team or leading your company or or a client or a partner of yours, he's able to take all this ambiguity we're dealing with right now, turn it into innovation, and he's able to keep up with the new challenges that are out there because he's able to create new solutions for them. So with that, Tony, welcome to the show. Tell the world who you are and what you do. Thank you, Tamara, for having me. And hello, everybody. Uh, so, and, and also thank you for this, uh, uh, this insight about myself. I'm really excited to learn more about that. Um, to tell you about myself, so I'm a, a serial software entrepreneur. Um, I was born in Lebanon. I, I, I left the country when I was a teenager to France. I started computer science. And then uh, 12 years ago, I started a company uh, called Nexmo that was an API business for building communication application. 
uh, grew rapidly to 100 million in the first five years in terms of revenues, and then took it public in mid-2016 by merging with Vonage on the NASDAQ. I stayed there for a couple of years, and then I left. And, And more recently, two and a half years ago, in January 2020, to be exact, I started Oyster uh, as a global employment platform. Uh, we make it possible for companies around the world to hire anyone anywhere. And we make it possible for talent around the world to have the world as their oyster uh, when they're looking for a job. Um, other than that, I, I live in the beautiful island of Cyprus. I have uh, three children and a dog. That's me. So, yeah, Cyprus is amazingly beautiful. But let, let's go back for a second and let's talk about this idea of being able to access talent from all across the globe. Because I think the last couple of years have taught us that geography is not a limiting factor anymore. And then in fact, there's incredible talent all over the place. And I would argue, and I'd love to hear your perspective on this, you get a more diverse set of, of people on your team. And diversity of thinking is is a company's greatest strengths, a team's greatest strengths, right? We don't want group think, we want diversity of thinking. And being able to hire people with all, truly all different backgrounds and experiences and geographies and cultures, I think really adds to that beautiful pot of diversity. So I'd love to hear your perspective on that because I think a lot of us are just waking up to the fact that, hey, wait a minute. Okay, so I live in Denver, Colorado, but I don't have to hire in Denver. I don't even have to hire in Colorado I can go all the way across the globe if I want to now. Absolutely, Tamara. And Oyster is a a living proof of that. We are uh, 600 people uh, distributed in 70 countries. We have over 100 nationalities. Uh, We are 60% women in the company. Even on the exec team, we we have 50% uh, gender representation as well. Um, And uh, and so so, uh, there there are superpowers of uh, being distributed. Uh, I've witnessed that in my previous company where we hired people in 45 countries. And uh, not only you can tap into a highly diverse and engaged uh, uh, workforce, but you can also change people's life in many countries. Um, So uh, you have have some real superpowers that come from distributed. And actually, people want that, right? The employee expectation have shifted in the last two and a half years. Uh, they, They increasingly value freedom. Uh, freedom of location, and they really value flexibility of where they want to work. And uh, we we can we know we we know now that you can make make people uh, uh, productive and successful no matter where they are. And there is no going back. I want to ask you a question about that. So I just recently read a report out of Microsoft that said collaboration among teams has gotten higher, productivity is higher. But collaboration across teams has gone down with everybody working virtually. So we're, we're, we're really good collaborating in our small units, but not as good across, right? We're a little bit more siloed across. How do you think about solving that challenge? There's a lot of missed opportunity when we don't innovate across the fence, you know? Yeah. I mean, having silos is not necessarily linked to uh, remote works. We had organization with silos before, right? So what distributed work enables you to realize is it enables you to realize where are the weaknesses of your organization and it guides you to solve them. So to give you an example, in uh, in distributed organization, building trust is harder. So you have to make it part of your job to build trust. Uh, in distributed organization, it's harder to um, 
uh, essentially uh, uh, measure result based on presence. So you have to think carefully about how you're going to measure result. How do you want to create clear expectations? Uh, distributed work is, is harder if you don't have a clear way of communication and collaboration and methods of working together that are reinforced by the top and live by the top. So all of this makes your company successful, whether you're in the office or you're not in the office. So, so uh, that's why that's why taking that path to becoming increasingly distributed uh, will make you stronger over time because the best companies of the tomorrow will be distributed. It makes it's interesting as you were talking. It makes me realize. I wonder how many studies were done prior to all this. So, is there really a comparison anyway? To your point, like maybe the silos were there before. We just didn't know it because we didn't bother to you know do the research to find out. So it's kind of interesting. What's what's a big win or something that you're proud of? Yeah. So so what is a big win? I'm proud of. I think what we are, what I am proud of is is not only about uh, the financial results and the success of the company. We went from uh, zero to over a billion in in in, in market cap in two years, uh, but it's more importantly how we were able to do that by building the most human centric, the most diverse, and the most human centric organization on the planet. We are innovating on two dimensions here. We're not only innovating on software and technology, we're innovating on how we build organization. How can we make work work for humans? And uh, uh, that's what's, what's exciting of, about my job as an innovator. Where have you innovated in that, that you found surprising room for new thinking or new ideas that maybe you wouldn't have expected in business? Yeah. So one area that I've uh, I found surprising, and to be honest, I bought into it, is how do you protect yourself from work? How do you create a boundary that enables you to be effective, enables you to be there for your team, but while protecting your life? So for instance, in, in my case, uh, we have at Oyster, we have focused Friday. Uh, every Friday, there's no internal meetings. It's really a time to get stuff done, to be in your flow, and to prepare for the weekend. Uh, another example here, because I live in Cyprus, most of my team is in Europe and in the US, I don't work in the morning. I work in the afternoon and I work in the evening where everybody in my family are, are, are sleeping. So I'm not missing out on being with my children when I need to. So th- th- this is the kind of innovation that we need uh, to, to, to be free from, from this ever-ending pursuit of success and money is really to realize that uh, we can be effective and successful while living our life, the life that we want to live. So it really makes me think, Tony, that what I need to do after this interview is sit down and think about what are the things that matter to me and how do I build my work-life balance or priorities? I struggle the word balance because I don't know if we're ever really in balance, but priorities around what's going to work for me. And I will tell you, early on in my career, I got in so much trouble because I left work at four o'clock every day because I got in at 6 a.m. because I'm a morning person. So for me, I was like, I'm going to, it was just in New York City. I'm going to get in, I'm going to get my work done and I'm going to do well. Like it mattered to me to do well, but by four, like my brain was done and I'll never forget my boss calling me into her office and saying, I don't feel like you're putting any effort. Where's your work? It was in her inbox. Of course, she just didn't see it. But it was so funny that I got so much trouble for something that now seems so ridiculous, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we all did that, right? We all had to commute for hours every day to be in that place uh, where we restrict our social environment to work. You know, work has become, when we spend 10 hours 
a day, uh, commuting to work, being at work, coming back at home. I mean, we don't have any any time left for everything else in our life. So uh, now we can be more connected with our family, with our community. I have a, I have a house in France. I live in a small village uh, in, in Normandy, France. And I have a neighbor. There are only three neighbors there. The oldest is like 80 years old. So, so he, uh, in the middle of the winter, he, his chimney broke. At 2 p.m., he called me and he asked me to take him uh, to, to, the, to, the, uh, to the shop to buy this device because he couldn't drive. If I was in the office, I, could, I, could, I would have missed on the opportunity to help Bernard. But, but here, I was there. I had an hour break, so, so I, I was able to be flexible and go help Bernard fix his chimney. And I was able to connect with him in a way that I wouldn't have been possible before. So, so essentially, uh, uh, now that our life is more than just our work, we have an opportunity to rethink how we want to calibrate that life and, and how we, we are now free from uh, this, uh, uh, especially in knowledge workers. I mean, we have to also recognize that we are not all uh, free from, from vocation. Uh, it's really knowledge workers uh, that have that opportunity today uh, become, becomes really an opportunity to rethink how you want to live your life and what it means to work in, in that life. So I'm a big believer, Tony, that questions in or answers out. And I want to go back to what you said in the very beginning of this story when I asked you the question. And you said, you know, one of the places that surprised you about innovation is how do we think about how to protect ourselves from work? And that's a very different question than what I started to say, which is how do I balance work and life? How do I do everything? That's really what I was getting at, right? Like I'm a mom, I'm a business owner, I'm a, I'm a partner, I'm a, like, you know, fill in the blank. So. I love asking that question because it takes you to a whole different place and I think way more innovative ideas than what I was asking. That's really the tired question. How do I balance work and life? Like that's not the question we should be asking ourselves. So for all of us, I just want us to think about what Tony said of how do we protect ourselves from work? How do we, how do we get more of life and like squeeze work in too? And it's not to say that we shouldn't work hard and do our best and be ambitious. I mean, Tony, I'm a free spirit wrapped up in a type A personality. So like if there aren't goals and metrics, I start to panic a little bit. So yet, like I want to, yeah, but I'm also super spontaneous. Like it's a weird blend that I have to deal with. So I want us all to be asking that question. Um, what is a, an obstacle you faced and how have you overcome it? So the obstacle we faced when we started this company in January, 2020, and suddenly there was this pandemic that made remote work a possibility, uh, we were not ready. We were like really not ready to harvest the demand that, that was created overnight uh, in front of our eyes. So we had to go really, really fast. And uh, we had to go and build an employment infrastructure in a country, build a team, build software. And, and how did we overcome that speed question is um, we, uh, first we didn't have the, we didn't have the, we couldn't physically um, go open up employment entities in, in countries because at that time countries were shut down. Like they were, you couldn't really go to a government office and open an entity. So we had to find partners. So we first we scaled through partners uh, to help us uh, knowing that that might not be great for, from, a, from, a, from a profitability standpoint, just to harvest the business and be there in the market at that time. Uh, we've also hired um, a more experienced team that knows how to, that has been there and, and delivering hyper growth in an uncertain environment. Uh, so, we, so we've hired the best team to help us do that. And we 
We also used Oyster because Oyster is a superpower. It enabled us to hire people everywhere. So suddenly, you know, we were hiring uh, five people every day uh, a few, few, few quarters ago. Now, obviously, it was a was a situation that's happening in the world from a macroeconomical. We we dramatically slowed that down, but we have a machine that give us a superpower, which is access to this amazing talent around the world that is highly diverse, highly engaged. We have top 2% of all VC-backed companies in terms of engagement level in the company today. So what I really am valuing about your story, I have to say, Tony, is I think in the last couple of years, a lot of the stories we heard about companies that got the rug pulled out from under them, struggled, and then figured out a way back. And those are really important, powerful stories. But there are stories like yours out there of it actually presented a growth opportunity that you weren't actually ready for. And I think sometimes, and I, I know I've been guilty of this, we actually don't seize the opportunities ahead in front of us because we're at well, we're afraid we're not ready. For some reason, our company's not ready, we're not ready. We are. I think we actually are. We're just afraid to like grab onto it. In this, in that growth transition. What were some of the big lessons that you took out of that experience? Because I, I want us, I'm really, I'm asking because I really want all of us listening to think about how many times are there opportunities like this in front of us? So we actually don't take because we're afraid, but they're probably out there more than we think. Yeah. So, uh, so some of the learnings is that one timing is really, really important. Uh, so, uh, so you want to time your innovation uh, right to the market readiness. What we do have existed for 20 years. Uh, but it was very manual, was very uh, professional service oriented. There were no use of software. So now the timing was right, not only from a software maturity level, but also from the readiness of adoption in the market, uh, very obviously. Uh, so one time, time it right. Secondly, uh, the, the best product, product does not always win, but the, most, the best marketed product that talks directly into the hearts and minds of your users, your buyers, your uh, your your, your um, whoever you're selling into is um, is is what really wins uh, as well uh, in, the, in the in the short term and the long term. And thirdly, is the the power of diversity. Uh, we have, as we discussed earlier, we have a uh, we have a highly diverse organization, people coming from all over the world that are committing to a mission. And uh, and being this company that is mission driven and is has has had made magical results for us in terms of the commitment and the engagement of the team because what we're doing is is very complex right we're taking compliance we're taking payroll we're taking payments we're taking benefits in 180 countries and and using software to solve this monster challenge so so we need to have highly committed and dedicated team around the world that also cares about their work-life balance, they care about flexibility, they care about uh, freedom of work uh, so that we can make this work together. So timing, heart, diversity are kind of the big three, right? Yeah, I would tag mission into that diversity as well. Diversity and mission-driven is important. Yeah, mission. Yeah, you just say, you said everybody comes, like everybody's committing to this mission. You're listening to Conversations with Everyday Innovators on With Tamara Gondor Podcast. Let's take a moment to thank our generous partners that make this possible. I want to take a moment to talk about my friends at Howdy Puppy. Dogs experience all the same problems as humans when it comes to joint pain, anxiety, digestion, and arthritis. A great way to help our four-legged family members with these ailments 
is with CBD-infused pet treats. Who doesn't like treats? As you longtime listeners know, my Mastiff, Zoe, is part of my family, but is getting older and has some anxiety issues when strangers come around. Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats has totally changed her disposition, and I know she feels like her young, energetic, confident self when she gets Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats. There are many CBD-infused dog treats on the market, but the truth is that many of them are overpriced and ineffective. We've looked at dozens of CBD dog treats and found most of them disappointing. Howdy Puppy is among the best brands in the CBD pet business. They deliver consistent quality, and their treats look and taste amazing, according to our dogs, of course. The company makes CBD dog treats in three flavors, steak, bacon, and cheese rolls. All of Howdy Puppy CBD treats contain natural ingredients, including high-quality full-spectrum hemp oil, all sourced and made in the USA. Full disclosure, I'm an investor in Howdy Puppy, but before I put my name on the company, I had an independent lab in Denver, Colorado, verify the quality and consistency of their treats. They are truly as advertised. Go online today at howdypuppy.com, link will also be in the show notes, and use promo code TAMARA, T-A-M-A-R-A, that's me, to get 20% off the absolute best CBD dog treats on the market. You will not be disappointed. Howdypuppy.com, promo code TAMARA. Don't let them suffer needlessly. Let them enjoy life too. When you have such a diverse workforce, and for those listening, think about that in terms of your small workforce, and maybe one person's in Iowa and one person's in Kansas, but you know, one's married, one's young, one's comes from a whole different political background, whatever it is. How do you think about uh, managing and even heart and sometimes even harnessing the conflict that comes up when you're when you have a diverse team? Yeah, so I think it's it's what's really important is uh, to me is to create an environment where it is safe to be who you are, who you want to be. And um, so let's say this called an inclusive environment. This is what I mean by an inclusive environment and, um, and have very high degree of diversity in all dimensions that enables you to remove all these biases that happens when you put together a less diverse set of people, uh, because you don't want to have groupthink around how, uh, somebody should be in an organization, right? You want to have this massive diversity of thoughts and, and backgrounds. And when you, when you get to that high level of diversity, then it's not as harder to really collapse these biases because you're the only one from that specific point in, in diversity, right? So it's really hard to, 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 to have biases, right? So you have to consciously uh, look into that and, and re-evaluate your, your biases and let them go because you're going to be the only one thinking like that. <laughs> I love that. It almost, you almost can't get group think because there are no birds of a feather to actually group think with you. And, and I mean, I think the people who listen to podcasts or engage with me know I'm a huge fan of diversity of thinking. I actually even, I think conflict or disagreement done in the right way is really important. Uh, because I don't think any of us should be surrounded by yes and or yes men or yes women. I think that actually minimizes it. And I think what we've seen time and time again is more diverse ecosystems inside companies are the ones that actually do well. 
I think of it as like storming a castle, right? You don't just storm in the front gates, right? You go all the way around it. And there's a reason for that, right? You got to poke holes. You got to see opportunities. You got to, and you can't see it from your own perspective um, only. As the leader of the company, how do you think about driving innovation from the ground up so that you're not the only one doing it? Yeah, I think uh, first is you want to uh, uh, be clear about who uh, who really owns at um, uh, managing that innovation process in the business, right? So it's, innovation is coming from everybody, but how does it turn into actual product innovation or actual organizational innovation, right? So uh, that 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 person needs to be clear who's that owner, and they need to have a process that enable to capture that innovation, evaluate that innovation, and decide whether they turn it into a real product or not. So we have that in place that we, uh, on, a, on a quarterly basis, there's a process that collect that and, and turn it into innovation. Um, the other the other area is to you have to model the way, but in a way that is subtle because you cannot be perceived as the one with the best ideas, right? So you want to create an environment that the, the, the CEO idea is equal to anybody else's idea in the business. So, so, uh, so you want to really be careful in, in, in uh, pursuing uh, the ideas that you suggest and make sure that you pursue all the ideas from everybody, right? Uh, and evaluate them equally. I think that's, uh, that's an important message that you need to send into the organization because you want to, you want to elevate talent. You want to create the opportunity for talent to, to, to bring what they want to bring into, into this organization. Yeah. Uh, lastly, it's really about, uh, about the create that safety, that psychological safety that, uh, you're not going, you're not going to, to judge any idea, right? So ideas are not here to be judged initially. Uh, they will go through the structured process that can evaluate them from multiple angles, but, uh, uh, but initially, when somebody comes up with an idea, they need to feel welcome. They need to feel that uh, they are adding value to the business. They need to feel heard, listened to. So this is how you can foster that technological safety that is important to get people to open up and share all these innovative ideas. I have learned the hard way, more often than not, that sometimes my team, and often people on my team that surprise me, have better, I, I would say better, the an idea that fits a problem we have that's actually better than mine because they're the ones living it every day, not me, right? As the leader of the company, I have my challenges that I deal with, but they're the ones on the front lines a lot of the time dealing with things that I don't even see. And so their ideas to solve those things are actually better than mine because they live it. I'm curious from your perspective, how do you, how do you like tactically set up an environment where all ideas are equal or at least accepted so that you know, that hierarchical thinking, because I don't think it's groupthink. I actually think it's hierarchical thinking doesn't come into play. You need to have a lot of humility in how you run the business and uh, and uh, uh, actually, uh, uh, I would say, you want to let go this idea that you have the ideas. So how do you want to let go that? It's, really, it's hard work, right? I mean, because you see, you see a problem, you're a builder, you're a creator, you want to go and solve that problem. Your first intention is to solve a problem. Uh, but then you are, you are sitting on the top. You have no clue in the details what's happening on people's every day. So you want to really be, uh, be, be careful in letting go that, that, that belief that you need to have the ideas. Instead, 
You want to work on empowering people. You want to work on asking questions. You want to be inquisitive about uh, how this team can improve things or how we can hit this goal. And uh, uh, you want to be that person who collects all these ideas and synthesize them. You know, talk about fluid, fluid, right? So in my personal profile, what fluidity gave me as a strength is that I take what I'm telling you now is what other people told me, and I'm just putting them into a coherent story, right? So, so that fluidity enables me to navigate this ambiguous situation and getting all the inputs, even though it would not fit uh, what we're trying to achieve, and then and then put them in a narrative, uh, and and that that we can tell and that is inclusive of as many ideas as possible. One of the things I've learned to do over the years is when someone comes to me with an idea, whether that's a client, a vendor, a teammate, whoever it is, uh, that immediately my brain starts to go, here's the hole in that. Here's why it won't work. You know, I've got all 25 years of experience. So let me tell you, every like I've already been through this before. Instead of saying any of that stuff is to stop, recognize that there's probably a nugget of wisdom. And even if the idea is not right, that there's a nugget of wisdom or rationale behind it that we should explore. So I constantly have to stop myself and say, well, tell me more about how you came up with that idea, because that's where the, I have found where the real innovation is. It's not necessarily even in the idea, but it's in recognizing to your point and having the humility to say that I bet there's something in what they're saying that I need to pay attention to. Yes. Yes, absolutely. What do you do every single day to help you stay innovative and not kind of get stuck in that jaded trap of doing what you already know? I talk to people. I go out there and I gather inputs uh, from various uh, parties, from various people. And uh, I, uh, on, on, on my end, in my corner, I start stitching together what I'm learning and then turn it into a coherent, uh, a coherent narrative, a coherent plan, a coherent uh, structure that everybody feels inclusive and uh, as much as possible, not always. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, that, that's 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 uh, that's how that's how I do it. I love what you just said about how you kind of go out there, you talk to people, and then you stitch it together to, into something coherent. I'll have to do some research to see if coherent is a word that fluids tend to use particularly. You know, but what I love about that is I think it goes back to what you said about humility that we all don't have to have the answers for everything. Sometimes, in fact, most often, other people have the answers. We just have to pull it together and create the story that helps us move. I love that. What advice, as a fluid imaginative, what advice do you have for other everyday innovators out there of all styles looking to innovate and, and really take advantage of growth opportunities and, and build the way you did? Go after non-obvious, uh, ambiguous markets that are really massive, but that uh, are uh, that are in, in really in need of a lot of innovation. Uh, I think that would be... Uh, uh, one one recommendation as as a fluid innovator, uh, really comfortable with ambiguity. Essentially, ambiguity is uh, your enemy. Your, your uh, ambiguity is your friend in that process, right? Because if you see it ambiguous, then it's very likely that uh, it is ambiguous, and and it's likely that there is an opportunity to innovate, uh, to create less ambiguity, and and people like to have less ambiguity. So if you have that super uh, strengths. To navigate uh, ambiguity, then it can be turned into an innovation superpower. And uh, in terms of uh, being imaginative, I think you need to um, follow your dreams. You need to follow what you believe the world should be. 
Uh, you, you need to be mission driven. And by putting the mission and purpose at the center of what you do, you're going to tap into a massive amount of untapped energy inside of you that's going to drive you forward in that direction. That energy is so important, isn't it? It is something we don't talk enough about, about how you get that energy. So I'm curious, Tony, what when the moments are low and the energy is not there, and we all have them, right? We can't all be A players all the time. What do you do to get it back? Two things. I spend as much time as I can with my children. They are six years old, two years old, and six months old. And there's massive amount of uh, uh, energy I get from them. And secondly, I, I retreat as well, and I spend time with myself. I uh, try to clear my brain. I try to meditate and focus and be with nature where I can. I'm fortunate to live here in this beautiful island surrounded by amazing nature and sea and animals. So so I, I, uh, I get my energy from there. Okay, so this has been absolutely incredible, and there's wealth of insights that have come out of this. I can't believe we're out of time. I got one last question for you that's more personal, which is what's one thing we'd be surprised to learn about you? What we'd be surprised to learn about me is that I'm consciously trying to unlearn the concept of time in my brain. <laughs> I, the more I do that, the more my life gets better. And... Uh, but in order for me to do that, I have to surround myself for people who really don't want to do that. Otherwise, it won't work. Uh, so I'm fortunate to have that support around me. But I'm uh, very excited about that continuous journey of letting go the concept of time. I got to back up for a second. Tell me what made you pursue this and what you're getting out of it. One, one of my goals a few years ago was to slow down the, the, the perception of time that I've been in, feeling in my life. Things were going really fast. I got burnout in my last job, uh, and uh, and for me, clearly, it was it was time pressure, the question of handling time. So, the more I researched that question, the more I realized that actually time is a human-made concept that doesn't really exist in the universe. And uh, uh, and and I, I I tried to be more present in the moment, and the, the way to do that was to, the way for me to slow down time is to be in the moment increasingly in the moment. And, uh, uh, and, and that has led me to, uh, to realize the benefit of that, uh, being less reactive, being more connected with, with the world around me, connected with myself. And, uh, and it, it's really one variable of well-being that I'm trying to crack. I'm going to think about that a little bit because uh, I'm definitely in a place where I'm a little bit overwhelmed with the amount of work I have to do, which means I constantly feel like I'm in catch-up mode which means, right, the time is like constantly right here, just hovering, right? You know, it's never quite enough. I'm going to have to do some research on that and see. I, I agree with you. And I've heard this time and time again from people, successful people, that time is something that is falsely manufactured that we buy into. And the ones that I've talked to have said, I don't, I don't play time management. That's not my game. And uh, I'm intrigued. So, Tony, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for being on the show. A wealth of insights. Good luck in everything you're doing and Oyster is doing. Really uh, respect and appreciate what you're putting out in the world. Thank you for having me tonight. Congratulations. By listening to this podcast, you took another step towards becoming an everyday innovator. To leap forward, visit www.gotolaunchstreet.com. 
and take the Innovation Quotient Edge Assessment to discover your unique everyday innovator style and access the Everyday Innovator Digital Magazine for the top tools, insights, and inspiration at your fingertips 24-7. Tomorrow, we'll be back with another Everyday Innovator conversation soon. In the meantime, if you got a nugget of value out of this podcast, let Tamara know by leaving a five-star review and comment. Your review equals more guests, more listens, bigger impact. Until next time.